Well, God wants to reveal himself to us. That's his great desire. He wants to reveal his will for your life. You see, the big idea in this series is that God is speaking to us. He's speaking to every single one of us. And really the question becomes for each of us is, are we listening? Are we paying attention? Do we know the language of God or the languages of God that he speaks to us? Jesus said in John 10, I, I know my sheep and my sheep, they know me. And he went on to say in John 10, he said, my sheep, they listen to me. They listen to my voice. And when we listen to him and listen to his voice, he said, then there are people who follow me. Nothing is more important for us than to, to know that God wants to know us. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants us to hear from him and follow him and follow his ways and his plan for our lives. And if we can tune into God, and if we can tune into his will for our life, then he can direct us, he can guide us, he can lead us down the path that he wants us to go so that we can use all that he's given to us for his kingdom and for his glory. But we have to listen to him in order for that to occur. It was December 26, 2004. The third largest earthquake ever recorded erupted in the Indian Ocean. And on that day, it registered a 9.1 on the magnitude on the Richter scale. It generated the equivalent of 23,000 atomic bombs. It, it sent shock waves, uh, tsunami waves really, that measured over 100 feet tall, traveling at 500 miles an hour across a radius of 3,000 miles. As a result of that tsunami, that earthquake tragically claimed over 227,000 people's lives. I ended up visiting Jay and Karen Devers, who are our missionaries at the time to Indonesia, shortly after that happened, to go help them provide aid and relief to what was the most devastated area of all. Now there was one group of people who were living in the path of this tsunami who survived, this group, they survived without a single casualty. They're called the Mokins, or, or the Sea Gypsies. Uh, the story was, sh uh, was, was shown on uh, 60 Minutes years ago. And these Mokins, or Sea Gypsies, they lived their lives on the open sea from birth till death. They were sea-based nomads. Their homes were, on, there were boats that were on the ocean. Their children learn to swim before they can even walk. They see underwater twice as well as all of us do. And as you can imagine, they have an intimacy with the ocean. They could read the waves like you and I, you know, could read a book. And on that day in the Indian Ocean when that earthquake hit, they knew something was about to happen. The birds stopped chirping. The, the dolphins swam out to sea, further out to sea. As they were listening and paying attention because they knew what was happening, the ones who were close to the, to the shore got off their boats and ran up to the highest ground they could get to. Those who were a little further out in sea began to furiously head out to the deepest sea, to the deepest ocean they could get to so that the tsunami would have a, a far less uh, uh, impact on them. The Mokins survived, every single one of them, because they know how to look. They knew how to look. 
They knew how to listen. They knew the language of the sea that others didn't know. And in this series, that's really what we're looking at. We have decisions to make every single day, right? Isn't that, wouldn't you say that? Every day you're having to make decisions. Some are, you know, not really that big of a deal. They're small little decisions, but some are, you know, important. And some are monumental decisions, even life-changing decisions, even life-altering decisions. And God wants to reveal himself to us to help us as we seek his will and his direction in our lives. So today what we're doing is we're looking at the language of God or or the languages of God. And like the Mokans, you and I need to know how to listen. We need to know how, how to know his language or his languages so that we can know that it is indeed God speaking and God revealing himself and his will and his way and his direction in our life. Last week, if if you were here, we discovered God's primary way, the primary way that we can listen to God reveal himself and reveal his will. Uh, If you were here last week, does anybody happen to remember? That's the primary way he speaks to us. Does everybody remember? The text, right? The text, the scriptures, or what what we call the Bible. And, And we encourage you, we challenge you that if you would be willing to spend more time, more effort, more energy in his text, it's first and foremost, the most important way that you and I can listen to God reveal himself and reveal his will and his plan for our lives. Now, this morning as we continue, uh, I'm just curious if you're a list person, like you like to write lists and keep track of lists. If you're a list person, raise your hand. Okay, a bunch of, oh, that's awesome. We didn't have hardly any hardly have any in the first service. Uh, So this service, a bunch of you are list people. My wife's a list person. And this is one of those list sermons. We're going to list a whole bunch of things. And I I can already tell you, I'm going to get home and my wife is going to love the message. She's going to make me a great meal for for lunch as I watch all the football games, you know, the Super Bowl before the Super Bowl. And I'm not planting seeds in her mind right now. This is just going to happen. She loves these type of sermons. Me, I'm not so much. I, they're, they're not my favorite type of you know, the list sermons. But I say that, I joke around with that. Because, but that's what we're going to do today. We're going to try to get through all of them. I didn't want to delay this over a few weeks. Because I want you to just get it all in one chunk and one nugget to be able to listen to the various ways that God reveals his way and his will for our life. So if you're a list person, take out the pen. Let's start jotting down the list. Another way that God, uh, we can listen to God, reveal his will and his way, not just the text, but he'll do that through wise counsel. Man, I could have avoided a lot of really bad consequences in my life if I had listened to more wise counsel. Anybody agree with that in your own life? You're like, man, I made a boneheaded decision. I was, I was a knucklehead with that if I had just listened to them. God speaks God reveals his will through wise counsel. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20, get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. In Numbers chapter 11, verse 29, Moses is talking to Joshua and he says, I wish all the Lord's people were prophets. Well, that's interesting, Moses. Well, why, would you, why, would that, why would you care about that? Well, prophets were people who spoke truth. They spoke wisdom. They spoke about the will of God and the plans of God. And see, Moses was essentially saying, I wish all of us would just 
constantly be receiving the truth of God, the wisdom of God, the counsel of God. But what happens when we turn down wise counsel? We see a story in the Bible in 1 Kings chapter 12. Some of you might be familiar with the story. Let me, let me tell you how it goes. King Solomon has just recently died, and now it's time for his son Rehoboam to be king of the Israelites. And Rehoboam thought it wise to seek counsel on how to lead the people. And in 1 Kings chapter 12, it tells us that he asked the wise old men who used to serve Solomon, he asked them, you know, what's your counsel to me? These are the wise elderly men. Notice what it says. 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 7. Here's what they said to him. If you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them when, when you answer them, then they'll be your servants forever. In other words, your father kind of put a heavy load on them. If you'll lighten that load, if you'll serve the people, man, they will be loyal to you. They will be faithful to you as long as you live. Listen to verse 8. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men and instead asked the opinion of the younger men who had grown up with him and were now his advisors. Does anybody chuckle at that verse? Like, I, do, I, just, I just read that, and I'm like, okay, where's this headed? He asked the younger man that he grew up with, what's your advice, verse 9? The young men replied, this is what you should tell those complainers who want you to lighten the burden. So we already know where they're headed, right? My, this is what you say to them. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Yes, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier, my father beat you with whips. I'm going to beat you with scorpions. Now I hear that and go, hmm, interesting. Here's a person who sought wisdom, who sought counsel. And which path did he choose? 1 Kings 12, verses 13 and 14 tells us that Rehoboam rejected the wise advice of the older men and instead decided to follow the counsel of the younger men how to go for him? Well, if you know the story, as a result of this, not following the wise advice of the elderly man, instead choosing his friend's advice, we know as a result of this, the kingdom divided. That the 10 tri northern tribes of Israel said, we're done with you. We're going to do our own thing. And the kingdom was divided. Listen, Proverbs 12, verse 15 says, the way of the fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. You reject wise counsel. You abandon wise counsel from God. And when that happens, you need to understand, it's going to cause division. It's going to cause separation. It's going to create hardship and tragedy in our lives. Rehoboam blew it big time. And I think the problem with, for us sometimes is that we surround ourselves with people who say what our itching ears want to hear, rather than truly seeking out wise counsel from others. I want to ask you this morning, are you listening to wise counsel? Not just counsel, wise counsel. Sometimes, you know, that does include listening to it a contrarian point of view, so you can hear the collective wisdom of God not just from your friends or your buddies or the ones who are going to say what we want to hear. Wise counsel is what we seek because that is how God speaks to us.
You know, wise counsel comes to us in a variety of ways. One of the ways it comes through us is through, you know, gifted communicators. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, when you receive, this is Paul talking to the, to the church, he said, when you received his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of who? The very word of God, which of course it is. Have you ever come here and sat here during a message and the speaker was speaking and as he was speaking, you're like, how did they know my story? That ever happened to you? You're like, how did the pastor know my situation, my story? I'm gonna tell you, your spouse emailed me that week. Listen, when we participate here together, God speaks through gifted communicators to tell us what he wants us to know. Imagine if your perspective on showing up each week was, oh, I got to go to church because whatever, whatever logic we have, okay, I got to do it. It's just what I do. What if the attitude was, oh my goodness, I can't wait to get up today. I can't wait to be with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I can't wait because God has a message for me and he has some wisdom he wants to speak into my life for today, for this week. And if I miss that, I miss God's wisdom, God's will, God's way for my life this week. Imagine if that was our perspective. I gotta be there. I wanna be there. I can't miss. And if we're gone, we're like, I I better go listen because this is God's collective voice to all of us. I want to encourage you to adopt that type of spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, this is what we speak. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. Explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. What's the point? God uses other people, gifted communicators, to reveal Himself and His will to us. There's another way we can listen to God reveal himself and his will to us, and that's through dreams. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it says this. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I want you to think about this. God works in the hundred billion neurons that are crisscrossing in our brains. And when God fills us with his spirit, dreams and visions are a supernatural byproduct of that filling. And God wants to give us God ideas. I got to tell you, I would rather receive one God idea than a thousand good ideas. That's what I want. I want to receive from God. In Job chapter 33, it says this, for God speaks again and again though people do not recognize it. See, God's saying, I'm trying to communicate with you. I'm trying to reveal myself and my will to you, but people don't recognize it. So what does God do? Look at verse 15. So he speaks in dreams, in visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their beds. He whispers in their ear. Now, why would God speak to us in our dreams? It's pretty simple because we're not paying attention when we're awake, right? And God's like, okay, if you're not going to pay attention to me when you're awake, okay, no problem. I'll, I'll talk to you when you can't do anything else. When your minds are finally calm and the devices are finally off and everything that's going on in your life has been shut down and you're peaceful and you're quiet, I'll come in. I'm God. I can do anything. And so I'll even speak in your dreams. God uses dreams 
God talks to us in dreams. It's happened to me for sure, and I imagine it's happened to you as well. But we need to understand, really, as probably, you know, for all of these, something to keep in mind is, yes, God speaks in dreams, but not every dream is from God. Some of the dreams we have are from the Del Taco we had the night before. We need to be able to recognize and know the difference. God will use visions and dreams for uh, Acts chapter 6 verse 9 says to accomplish his will and his purposes. God also will speak to us and reveal himself through pain. Through pain. Job chapter 33 verse 19, God disciplines people with pain on their sick beds, with ceaseless aching in their bones. God says, you know, there's sometimes I can't get your attention any other way. And since I can't get your attention in any other way, I'll use pain to get your attention. Again, we go back to, are we listening? Are we seeking him? C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pain. Why? Well, we can't ignore the word. We can choose not to read God's word. But you know what you can't ignore? Pain. It's God's megaphone. It's when you're hurting, God is shouting, well, I'm trying to reveal myself to you. I want to show myself to you and my plans for you. And he's asking, will you let me in? I'll even use your pain. Proverbs 20 verse 30 says, sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. You know what that's saying? It's saying pain is the great marriage counselor. That's what it's saying. It's saying pain is a great life coach. Pain is a professor of theology. Pain teaches us the tough lessons, but some of the most important lessons for our lives. And like all of these that we're talking about, not all pain is God speaking to you. When I stub my toe on the corner of the bed, that's just me kicking the bed. Not all pain is God speaking. Some of it is. So I want to ask you, what pain are you enduring right now? That God's trying to get your attention. That God's trying to speak to you. You're going through something right now and it's difficult and it's hard and it's painful. It might be physically. It might be a tragedy. It might be circumstantial. What pain are you going through where God is trying to reveal himself and his will to us? Psalm 119 verse 71 says, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn or pay attention to your decrees. Pain is certainly one of the ways that God gets our attention. He'll reveal himself through it. But there's another way that you and I can listen to God reveal himself and his will to us, and that's through open doors. I want to camp on this for just a moment, through open doors. Let me take you through a little scriptural journey here. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 says this about Jesus. It's very interesting. It says, what he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Now, if you kind of study through that passage, you discover that he's really talking about the sovereignty of God, of Jesus Christ. Other than that reference with this idea, God can, only he can shut, only he can open, we just don't see the idea of closed doors in the New Testament. Other than that passage, what we see is this idea of open doors. 
So I would like to suggest to you because, you know, seeking God's will, you know, is it an open door, is it a closed door? I imagine all of us have used those terms at one time. And I want to suggest to you this morning that you hold very loosely to the idea of a, quote, closed door. What am I talking about? Let me take you through a couple verses and let's see if we can see the theme together because Jesus talks about, the New Testament talks more about open doors than it does closed doors. And it says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 8, Paul says, I will be staying here at Ephesus until the festival of Pentecost. There is a wide open door for what? A wide open door, what are the two words? For a what? For a great work here. Colossians 4.3, pray for us as well that God will open to us a door for the what? For the, for the word, why? So that we may declare the mystery of Christ for which I'm in prison so that I may reveal it clearly. Reveal what? The mysteries of Christ. Acts chapter 14, verse 27, they called the church together and related all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door. What kind of door was it? It was a door of faith for the Gentiles. Are you seeing it? Many of the open doors, if not all the open doors recorded in the New Testament have to do with sharing God's word, getting involved in God's work, people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. All these open doors are about the work of God in people's life, people coming to faith, people knowing Jesus, knowing who he is and what he's about. Be careful with this open, closed door. People say all sorts of crazy things and come up with crazy mixed up theology as it pertains to understanding God and his will and open and closed doors. Well, you know, I've been praying about God's will lately and what he wants me to do. And, you know, I've been praying, God, I I really feel like I need a new truck. And and God, will you open the door for me with this new truck that I want? And I've been, yeah, amen, a bunch of you, amen. Yeah, I like this one. I've been praying about it, God, and and, and I need to know if you're going to open doors or close doors. Hey, honey, I got to tell you, I've been praying about this a lot, about this open door, and and you're not going to believe it. God opened the door for me to get a truck. Let me ask you a question. Ladies, how's that going to go over with you if your husband comes to you, if you're married? Oh, God opened the door for me. I mean, it's amazing. I happened to go down to the dealership today. And you're not going to believe it. I've been praying about a specific color, and they had the color. You're not going to believe it. I've been praying about a specific model. You're not going to believe it. They had the color and the model. And listen, it was the last one. God opened the door for me to have this new truck. The problem is, wise counsel had already spoke to you and said, you have too much debt already. You're getting ready to send your kid off to college in nine months. This is not God's will for you. You can't afford it. It's not an open door. See the danger? Hold this language loosely because when I look in the New Testament, open doors are all about people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. There's a lot of other ones we can utilize about God's will and God's way for our life. I really don't like closed door language. It's just me. This is my preference. I know it's just a language we use, but use it loosely and be careful. 
And then one of the reasons I don't like it, because 25 years of ministry, I've watched how people have used the closed-door language. I've heard people say, well, you know, God has just hasn't opened a door for me yet. The door's closed for me serving in church. I've heard that on many occasions. And some of you are like, no, you haven't heard that. Because that doesn't make sense to you. But the other half of you are like, oh, I've said that. <laughs> not half, not half. And yet they don't realize God already, what's the primary way God reveals himself? Through the? The text, he's already made it crystal clear. We're all called to serve. The pastors, we're here to equip you to prepare the body for good works. He's already made it clear that's his will for our lives. Well, you know, pastor, God just hasn't opened the door yet for me to be generous. It's a closed door. My finances are this, and I, I, I can't do that yet. Oh, really? It's interesting because Jesus pointed out the widow who the Bible says gave everything she had. Oh, that's interesting because Paul was talking about the Macedonians. And when he was talking to the Corinthian church, he said, those Macedonians, listen, they gave everything they were able and even beyond what they were able. And so then Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, man, they're your example. I want you to now go and do likewise. And he said this, he said, I want you Corinthians, I want you to like them. I want you to excel in the grace of giving. And on and on and on and on and on it goes. Be careful using the term closed door when referring to the will of God. Hold it loosely. But man, when it comes to open doors and seeing what God wants to do and how God wants to move and act in our lives, Scripture, New Testament, even in the Old Testament, Psalm chapter 24, it talks about coming before God and it says over and over in Psalm 24, it says to fling wide the gates. Then fling those gates open. Why? If you read that Psalm 24, it's so, so that God can come in. So that God can do this great work and move and act in our lives. Open doors have to do with the direct activity of God in our lives personally and in the lives of others. We have the famous passage. We couldn't get it through this section without at least mentioning it. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Jesus said, I stand at the door and what? Knock, right? If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and eat with you and he with me. And what's the point? The point is God wants to know us. God wants to spend time with us. He wants to reveal his will and his way to us. But you got to invite him in. We have to open ourselves up to his will that he's trying to reveal to us. God, let's go through the next couple real quick. God reveals himself or speaks to us through angels. Really? Genesis 16, God sent an angel to Sarah's servant, Hagar. She was frustrated, disappointed, and, and struggling. And so God sent the angel to give her hope. Gideon was discouraged in Judges chapter 6, and God sent an angel to him. God sent an angel to the angel Gabriel to you know to to Mary and to Joseph and and to Zechariah and to the shepherds in the birth narrative of Jesus. Why? Because he wanted to reveal his will and his direction for their lives and for the life of the world. There's situations in my own life where there's been times where I've thought I'll even turn around and go, was, "Did I was I just talking to an angel?" You've maybe wondered that as well. Is it possible God still speaks and reveals himself to us through angels today? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2 says, Do not forget 
to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. God says, I want to communicate with you so badly. I want you to know my plan for your life. So I'm going to use some unique ways. God says, I'm going to use dreams. I'll even use your pain. And yet, you know what else? I'll even send angels to you. Finally, we can listen to God reveal himself to us and reveal his way to us through our thoughts, through thoughts. In John chapter 14, verse 26, it says the Holy Spirit, this is Jesus talking to us, his followers, his disciples. He says the Holy Spirit will be your teacher and will bring to your mind all that I have said. See, God gives us impressions. He gives us thoughts, ideas. He gives us, you know, a a hunch. He gives us this gut feeling. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21 says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Let's think about this for a moment. Scripture is really our map. And then the Holy Spirit is our guide. But we have to be able to discern the promptings or the impressions or the thoughts that come to us from the Holy Spirit or that come to us so that we know if they're from the Holy Spirit or from something else. Of course, the evil one, Satan, he can put thoughts into our mind as well, which means that not every idea that comes to our mind is from God. It's why scripture tells us in 1 John chapter 4 to test the spirits to see whether they're from God. 1 Thessalonians 5.21, test everything. Always test a thought. Never make a decision just because an impression came to your mind alone. We need to test that thought. And next Sunday, it's really important. It's really part, part two of this message. Uh, we didn't have an hour to do it all in one message. So I, I, I'm praying you kind of have that. Man, I got to be there next week. I, I have to hear what God has for me. Because next week, we're going to talk about important ways for this entire message we're doing today on how to test the thoughts. Because the Bible said, First John 4, 1, test the spirits to see whether they're from God. We're going to talk about that next week. How do we test them to know if they're from God, if the impressions, if the thoughts, if, if that angel, if that wisdom, or whatever it is, how do we know it's from God? And that's what we're going to talk about. But here's the reality. There is no infallible test to make sure we are hear, really hearing the direction of God, other than, of course, his text. What we've talked about today are pathways, languages God uses to help us. They're they're helpful checks and balances. And they're helpful if we adopt what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 when he said to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And if we adopt that spirit and that attitude and that mentality that, God, I want to know your will, and I am seeking you first, not my own desires, not the will of me, we talked about that recently, but your will, and as you do that, these are a great grid or filter for us to see if it is indeed God speaking to us. So, check our hearts. Check our consciences to see if we're trying to accomplish our will or God's will. In fact, I want to close with a prayer that the psalmist prayed. 
It's a prayer that I think we can lay on top of everything we're talking about today as you now have your list of the way in which God, ways in which God wants to communicate to us and speak to us, the languages of God to reveal himself and his will in our life. And how about we lay on top of that this prayer, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, which says this, Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. God, see if there is any offensive way in me. And then, God, you lead me in the way everlasting. If that's our prayer, as we lay that on top of these, there are great checks and balances to know. See, God is speaking to us. God is revealing himself and his will to us. We talked about some of the ways today. The question is, are we listening? Are we listening?